Hi everyone. I'm Jeremy. <laughs> Still going. It's not mad at us. So, buddy, can you uh, lead us in prayer? Do you mind? And get us started, get our hearts right with God. And... Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this time. Lord, we want to thank you for this week that we've had to come and fellowship with like-minded believers and uh, recharge and re-energize our, our minds and our, our ambitions and efforts to do your work, Lord. Lord, uh, thank you for Jeremy, your, uh, your dedicated servant, Lord. Thank you for his time and dedication to prepare this message. Lord, be with him and uh, help him present a message that is impactful to us, enlightening to us, so we can make an even greater impact for you within our home churches, Lord. Uh, be with us now. Help us to stay attentive and uh, learn what you have for us. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you guys so much uh, for coming this morning. Um, I remember one time... Uh, I went to a church, and I think I was the only one to show up. And I said, wow, you know, what's... And I told my pastor that, I'm the only one to show up. And and um, and, and so they said, he said, good. He said, imagine how, if you only have one person show up, how they would feel. So you be that person, you know. And I, I thank the Lord for that. Um, God is so good to us. We're going we're gonna to look at a few things here, what makes a great church. And I don't know if you guys have seen on the website of um, the IFCA. Have you seen on the website of the IFCA Vital Signs of a Healthy Church? Anybody read that one? Yeah. So they have it out there, right? But I want to hear from you guys first. If if you were just to say, I'm going to give you six words. You get six words. The most. You can do less than six words. What makes a great church? Six words. Can't go more than six. You guys have your coffee yet? By the way, I used to have a professor that would stop and just stare at you. Okay. <laughs> Sound doctrine and love of God. Sound doctrine and love of God. Truth taught and truth lived out. Truth taught and truth lived out. Oh, you're good. You do six words. Very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had six words and. and only six words to describe a great church. What would it be? What do you guys think? Throw anything out. Love of God and love of each other. Love of God and the love of each other. You're getting, love, getting love there. Love of Christ. Love, love for Christ. Love for people. All right, yeah. Now we're getting a little bit more broad. Right? Because some people, when they say, we want, we want a pastor who loves God and loves the, loves the people... Sometimes they're talking about just loves us and no one else, us four and no more, right? And so when we when we look, I want us to think biblically for a moment. We're going to set some things up and um, and really talk about uh, uh, this. What makes a great church? And I'm not saying that because I have a great church. <laughs> you know, I have a sinful church like we all do, and uh, I'm I'm praying that God helps us to grow and. To continue to be more like Him, so I'm not coming at this like I've got all the answers because I don't. I'm, I'm I'm growing and learning, and when I just think I know how to pastor, God throws something out outside of me that I have no clue how to handle. Amen. All right. I mean, current events that when I took my uh, class in in the MDiv twenty something years ago on current events, 
<laughs> we were dealing with what? Billy Graham issues. You know what I mean? I mean that, no, we're not dealing with Billy Graham issues. I mean, that stuff is changing all the time. And so we need to be adaptable to this. But watch this. What makes a great church? I want you to open up your Bibles if you can. Well, if you don't, I have it here. I know some of you don't use your Bibles. But here we got Matthew. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Right, in Matthew 22, 36 to 39. And really, I would say the two great commitments that, that a great church makes is to the greatest commandment. And uh, what is the greatest commandment? The great commandment, we can call it, is what? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Right? So when I think of a great church, I think of people who just love God. They love Him with everything inside of them. They love Him with all their heart, their soul, their mind. That means their decisions. They love God in their decisions. They love God in their thought life. They love God in everything they can. They love God. And, and by the way, that's present tense. That's loving God with everything, for all, to, all the time. Right? Um, we want a church that loves God. And so we do things to help them love God. Right? What do we do? What are some of the things that churches do to help people love God? We preach the Bible. Right? Um, and some go overboard on that. You say, wait a minute, how do you go overboard and preach the Bible? Well, they have uh, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night. They got Monday Bible study with the men, Tuesday breakfast with the Bible, Wednesday a prayer meeting. They got Thursday. They got the Bible every. I, I know a guy. I see like ten things in the week. Right, Bible, Bible. He's a disciple. And about, well, this guy. He got men's meeting. This and leadership. Unbelievable. I mean, we go overboard on that. Well, sometimes, you know, um, love God. Uh, what's the second thing? In there, love who? Your neighbor. Neighbor, right? Now, don't you love that parable? Um, I make all the parables Italian, but you know the parable of the Good Samaritano. You know that one. You know, <laughs> and the question that the lawyer asked. You remember the question that he asked? Who is what? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Yeah. Who is my neighbor? And I love how Jesus responds to that. Right in Luke chapter ten. He doesn't just give him a nice little simple answer. He tells him a parable. He makes him think about it. And, and we, we think about that parable, how the guy stopped, right? The Samaritan stopped, which was dangerous. And then he bandaged the guy up. And then he poured oil and wine on the guy. And then, and then, and then not only that, he, he stayed there with the guy and took care of him. And stayed all night with him. And then gave money. And the question is, who would you do that for? Who would you lose your sleep over? Who would you give all your resources to? Who would you risk your life for? Can you think of anyone in your life that you would do that for? Probably a kid. Probably someone else, but I could think of someone. Your wife. Your wife. That would be someone close to you. You. You would do that for yourself. We go into great things for ourselves. We go to the best doctors. We want the best treatment. We want to take care of ourselves. And that's the whole point of parable. Love others as you love who? Yourself. It's a great parable. I love that parable. And so, we want people, we want a church that loves God, we want a church that loves others, really loves others. But it doesn't stop there. Because there's another commandment. And what one is that? The Great Commission. What's the commandment there? Make disciples. Make disciples. There's only one command there, right? And it's an heiress command, if I could throw that out for a moment, which means this is urgent. He says, start it. Go do it. 
Do it. Now. Don't, don't make excuses to do it. Make disciples. So, I'm putting these together, and I want to just expound on that for a moment. To make disciples is the command. How do we do that? We go, we take the initiative, we baptize, we identify them, and we teach them, we instruct them, and, um, and, and that all happens. Notice that evangelism is assumed there. It's not even mentioned. Um, and I remember when Ellie got baptized, or when she was born first, and my family said, are you going to baptize your daughter? Because you know, Catholics always ask, are you going to baptize your daughter? And I said, oh yeah, I'm going to ba- oh, I can't wait to baptize her. <laughs> I'm going to hold her under for a little while before I find you. I can't wait to baptize her. And she was the first one, by God's grace, when we started a church that was baptized in our, in our church. She was uh, five or six. I said, but I couldn't wait for her to accept Christ so I can baptize her. So it's assumed in the text. So, But it's an identification. With, is it important? You better believe it's important because they identify publicly with Jesus Christ. And then we teach them. We instruct them. And then I would add something there that's, that, that really is another important key element of disciple-making is often overlooked is integration. We want them to be part of a Bible church. Right? Um, we're not just going out, handing out tracts, hoping people get saved and save, see in heaven. No, we want to be integrated in the church. And there's a lot of work in making disciples. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we have work. Amen? And so, you know, you, work, you look through that. So, when I look at a church and I say, God, what makes a great church? They want to love you. I want them to love other people. And I want them to share Christ. Right? And I'll say this. As we look at our churches, the majority of the people who come to loving God, they'll probably pass that one. Loving each other, now we're getting a little more tricky, right? Because, you know, you got to deal with some people that, you know, it's pretty hard to love. I mean, imagine 20 years with me. But anyway, you know, loving others, you know, loving others. So now we're getting down on a list because there's people struggle with each other. But now, when you talk to people in the church, how many of you are sharing Christ on a regular basis? Now we're what? Way down on a list. By the way, none of our leaders in the church are not leaders unless they're doing all three. So now I know where to look for our leadership. I want them engaged in all three. They love God, they love the people, and they love those that don't know Jesus. And they're going after Him. So in six words, our church has this statement. Love God, serve others, share Christ. Right? And I'll say, it's great that you love God, and I praise the Lord that you're active in the church, but what are you doing to share Christ? Or... We have some other, other things that people are not balanced with. And so when I look at the ministries in the church, what are we doing as a church to help them to do all three? Right? And here's where we struggle, because we're good at the loving God part. The loving others, sometimes we're really good. I mean, we've got a donut fellowship in our church, amen? I mean, we, we're bigger and better every time we go there. I mean, it is, it is great stuff. <laughs> And I joke around, we actually had someone get saved from our donut ministry. I mean, our donut ministry is expanding. Excuse all the puns, but anyway. I mean, it, it is great time. We're with people that can't hear, too. They're, they're older, and so it's kind of fun to be with them. Because one will say, boy, it's windy today. The other one will say, I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> so, yeah, we had some fun with them. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I got to be careful here. So, so I, I look at this, right? And when we started a church, we said, God, help us to have a church who loves God, 
who loves you, Lord, loves each other and loves, loves the people uh, around us. And so what we did is we had a Sunday morning and then we had small groups because that worked in our setting. And then what we did is we had a community outreach every week. God put our church near a school. So we had an after-school tutoring program where we would get unsaved people to come and, and we would teach them the Bible and whatever they needed to be taught. So I taught. Uh, English is a sec. I taught real English. I taught them New York English. <laughs> if you go to an Argentine, he comes up, yeah, how you doing, buddy? Forget about it! That's real English, right? Yeah, I taught real English. And I had people, after teaching them that, say, Jeremy, will you teach us the Bible in English? We want to learn the Bible. Unsaved people. And I would teach Bible stories in English to unsaved people. We would teach kids in wheelchairs that would come in and pee all over them, come in and we would teach them. They would come in. We taught people who didn't even know how to read and write. We taught them every subject that we could. Um, Katie was a teacher and so she could teach. We had teachers in our church that would come and volunteer their time. And we just loved on the community. And it was amazing. We were right there. God put us right there. So every week we'd be able to do that. So instead of saying, okay, we're going to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, here's what we're going to have. We're going to have Sunday morning, we're going to love God. We're going to have these small groups, we're going to love each other, and we're going to have something to love the community. We want you to be all part of that. Right? Started it well. Now you take over a church. <laughs> and they don't have any of that. You know what I mean? Well, they have Sunday morning, Sunday school, Monday, you know. So now what do you do? Well, that's fun. If you want to know about that, I'll tell you about that later on and how to cut those things out and, and have people want to cut your head off. But, um, but going in and knowing all this. So what I say to people, and I really enjoy the book, as I say, if you want to know who I am by God's grace, I'm a scrappy pastor. Now leave the S on. Alright, because sometimes I'm not with the S on. Alright, and I will admit that. I'm scrappy, but sometimes I lose the S. Alright, I understand that. And what does it mean to be a scrappy guy? Scrappy pastor. And this is what we need in the IFCA. We need scrappy men. We need scrappy people. Scrappy ladies. We need, we need people who are going to go after what God wants us to go after. We're spending too much time doing things... And we're busy, but we're not focused on what God wants us to do. So let's be scrappy. You say, what is that? What is scrappy? Well, I'm going to mention it to you, but I'm going give to you, give you a hand out here. Sorry to give you a buddy. If you mind passing these out here. I had faith. I made 20. <laughs> but I want to I show you guys a few of these things of what, what scrappy means um, in here. Okay? And uh, some of the characteristics of this. What's, what's, what's a scrappy, scrappy church and what's a scrappy pastor and scrappy leader? All right, now, now watch this because uh, Tim mentioned this, but I'm going to really go into this and what, what this is and then we're going to get into a Bible, Bible passage that really talks about this. Boy, I love this. This is, this is amazing. Right, now, now watch this. Characteristics of scrappy church. What do they do? Here's what they do. The first thing they do is they believe that God still has a plan for them. I love books, don't you? Want to know what I love about books? I read a chapter. Every time I, I read a book, I try to do two books a, a month. I do a chapter at a time, right? And why do I do a chapter at a time? Because I love the next chapter. I always love, I love finishing a chapter because I can't wait to get to the next chapter. You know? And, and really, scrappy churches are all excited about the next chapter. Right? What is the next chapter for your church? Somebody was to ask you. Right? 
If somebody was to ask you, what is the next chapter for your church? Can you say it? If all, all you're going to say is, well, we're just going to be faithful and preach the Word. Well, praise God for that. But what's next? Right? And we're not just surviving. I don't like... Katie knows me. She, she gets nervous sometimes because I'm... You know, I'm one of those guys that moves his furniture around in the office every other week. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like it this way, I like it that way, I like it this way, I like the bookshelf over here, I like it over here. You know what I mean? I'm one of, I, I just can't be the same every week. Some have that ability. Praise God for that. Uh, in churches, we, we need to continue to move forward. All right? We're not changing messages. Don't go, go there. You know, we know that. But what is the next chapter? So I, I, walk, I walk into our church... And, you know, I said, so what, I, I love saying this to a church. Where do you see your church in five years? Right, I get stares. We don't know where we're going to be. I hope we've got the doors open. That's not a great place to be. Right? So you ask yourself, what, and they believe it. Here's another thing. They turn to prayer for turnaround. Scrappy churches are praying churches. They are, they, they are amazing. So what we've decided to do in, in our church is that we have a 24-hour prayer. Have you guys ever done that? Where the church prays for 24 hours straight and you have different people sign up on that? So we do that before Easter and before Christmas every year. And we have a sign-up sheet and people take half-hour slots all through the day. We start at 6 p.m. On, on Wednesday and we end at 6 p.m. on Thursday. So people are up in the middle of the night, the spiritual ones, not me. I sleep and pray for them. But they, uh, the spiritual ones are up. They take the 1 o'clock slot, the 2 o'clock slot. And we pray 24 hours for our community, for our church, for God to work in all ways. And we've seen God do amazing things through that. Scrappy churches are praying churches. They don't just talk about prayer, they do it. They pray. Scrappy churches celebrate the presence of other churches. I am amazed on how many of us get upset when there's another church in the area. Right? And I mean upset. And scrappy churches don't get upset. It's not about my kingdom. In fact, I tell people, you're probably better off under someone else's shepherding. I used to think, I was naive, I used to think anyone that came through that door I could shepherd. I've been doing this long enough to say, you know what, they probably can grow better under someone else. And it doesn't mean I'm a failure because of that. It means because... Hey, they like to, you know what I mean, maybe be in a, you know, do something that I feel uncomfortable with, or, or they don't believe in the rapture, or they don't, well, go down the, we'll see you in seven years. Amen? <laughs> they don't believe in the rapture. Why live frustrated? There's a church down the block. Right? And so, and, and celebrate, celebrate the presence of those churches. Pray for them. Love them. Um, we have a wonderful IFCA fellowship in our area. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know I mean? Some of these guys, you can't even go, you can't even text them, they won't even talk to you. And you're from the same group. You know what I mean? Like, guys, we're both dispensationalists here, you know what I mean? We're both going to go before the rapture. I mean, at the rapture, but anyway. Alright, let's just go on to the next one. Um, they greatly increased their efforts on outward focus. Okay, and this is what I want to focus on. Um, scrappy churches are outward looking. Alright, so how does that look? Now, gonna be, some of these things I'm going to say here right now are going to make you a little uncomfortable. And, and I, I like graphs. And Tom Rainer made an excellent little graph 
right? And so he says, here's how you look at your church, right? You look at it and you say, okay, what are we doing for the community? That's the first question you ask. You're like, wow, wait a minute, isn't church about the saints? Yes, it is. I understand that. But what are we doing for the community? Now the community comes, are they happy to be here? And once they're here, how do we get them to stay? See how it works? So we're thinking outward, and then we want them to be happy when they come. <laughs> and so how can we make them friendly? And then now we don't want them to leave. And so how does that work out? So he draws this up, and, and let's, let's work on this. Let's look at this for a second. I want to show you this. Alright, so we're looking outward, then we're going to be welcoming, and then we're going to have the backdoor closure. So here's some of the things that scrappy, scrappy people do. Alright? First thing is, we need to cultivate a culture of evangelism. Um, and, and let me say this. We, we pick on, and rightly so, the Southern Baptists to some of their methods in evangelism. They go out and they dig wells. They go and um, give people water bottles, different things that they do. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things that you like. They have Easter egg hunts. Right? Sinful Easter egg hunts. Right? That, and, and we get upset at those things. Um, but what are we doing for the community? Right? And, and here's where I came across something that changed my life. It's called servant evangelism. Where we not only share Christ, but we show Christ to the community. And, and that changed me. Because I am all about the Gospel. And believe me, everything we do show Christ, they, we, they share Christ. Our church does. Um, and we're going to talk about this, cultivating it in the church. Um, what are some of the things that we can do to cultivate the culture of the church without guilting them? Did you witness this week? Wow, what a... Call yourself saved? You don't even love the lost! How many people want Jesus? There's no one to Jesus this week. Testimonies? That's all guilt. We don't do that. But we do cultivate so how do we cultivate this? So watch, watch, watch some of the things that we can do here. First thing is we need sustained evangelism. And, and here's what I mean by this. Sustained evangelism is where we are encouraging people and helping people have gospel conversations with those around them. Believe it or not, we don't have to do anything more to evangelize. God has already brought the people into our lives. Let's do something with those people. Right? That's what I encourage the people to do. So, so I coach. You know, you look at my body, you say, of course he coaches, right? It's perfect shape. Not one amen, not even for my wife. But anyway, I, I help high school coaching. I'm in a public high school coaching two different sports. That's woke. Um, the captain of our baseball team went out to be prom queen this year. All right? We're dealing with all the issues that people deal with in the, in the thing. But... but um, I, I was asked a high school coach in 2020. Um, I was coaching in the, in the community before that, but then they asked me to join uh, the, uh, the 2020. So our first baseball game in 2020 was in March. But what happened in March of 2020? COVID. COVID. 
right? So here we are, about to get. We got on a bus, right? We're about to get on a bus, and then it's shut down. Lord, what are you doing? Um, we finally got to play baseball. Guess what they said? You can't bring any baseballs out. You can't bring any bats out. No gloves. Just come out and play baseball. <laughs> Lord, you need a bat and a ball. <laughs> so I can't even make this up. We were running around bases. And the athletic director came out there and said, What are you doing running around bases? The bases can give you COVID. Get those bases up. So we had to take the bases up and we put cones down. Oh, cones are good. Cones are good. <laughs> so we had cones. We're running outside, 90 degree weather with masks on. Surprised we didn't lose a kid. Yeah. Right? Here's, here's where it gets amazing. We're, 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 we come to summer ball and um, he asked the athletic director, he goes, can I go and coach a team outside the high school? I mean, he, the, the, the coach at the time, the JV coach was just like, I'm sick of all this. Can I go coach somewhere else? He goes, yeah, you can go. Only you. Don't recruit, but you can go. He goes, can I take Jeremy with me? He goes, yeah, only you and Jeremy. You guys go. So me and him, we went out. We're coaching a summer team. We're coaching a fall team. And, um, and it just was amazing. And God was opening up doors and sharing Christ and all that. And I had conversations with him. Well, you guys know in 2020, the World Series was in Texas. And so um, he was getting tickets to go to the World Series. And he goes, hey, you want to come? I said, I'd love to come, but the Yankees aren't in it, so I'm really not interested. I'm not going to see Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. But, you know what I mean? So he goes, he drives his son, a 16-year-old, and a 21-year-old, and they get into a car. Last day of practice on Thursday, they get up on Friday morning in the fall. They're heading down I-25. A truck comes, boom, hits them, kills all three of them. All three of them. 52 years old, 16 years old, 21 years old. Dead. Um, and, I mean, I was destroyed. But I was able to speak at a memorial service that they had at a field. My son, Johnny, who never cried. I don't even know if my son has a soul. He never cries. He got up there, he was weeping sharing a testimony of this, this this coach and the kid was one of his teammates that died. Um, kids on the team asking me about Christ. Right? The news came and interviewed me. I was on the news. Of course, they took all the stuff about Christ out of the news because they're going to do that. But his wife reached out and she said, Jeremy, she goes, I couldn't think of an, any other coach I would rather my husband have as the last coach than you. What a great, you love Jesus, you love your family. What a great example you were to my husband. Wow. We need to be out there. We never know what God's going to do, and we never know the time we have with them. Right? 16 and 21. Right? And so I tell the people, have, have, build the relationships with them. Be with them. Um, that prom queen, are you ready for this? This guy, his father comes up to me and goes, you know what, my son's talking to me, he's so lost, I don't know what he's going to do with his life, but he said to me, maybe I'll be a pastor one day like Jeremy. Because he knows that I wasn't saved in high school. Now if that happens, there is a God, there has to be a God, because this kid is far from the Lord, I mean far from it. But just building relationships, they're seeing it, they're watching it, you're with them. Right? 
And I don't wait for the people to do this. I, one, one of my mentors, he's a man who was a missionary in Ecuador, he said, Jeremy, this starts with you. You need to be the example. You need to go out there and do this. Because it's so easy for pastors to walk into church and say, well, no one else does it. You know, I mean, why am I going to? No, we need to be doing it. We need to be out there. We need to be showing the example. And so that's sustained evangelism. We have people in different places doing sustained evangelism, which is amazing. And God's really blessing that. Now, are you ready for this? We have seasonal evangelism. You say, what's that? Well, remember the CEO Christians, the, the uh, Christmas and Easter only Christians, CEO? And so, uh, I, I call them the Adventists, you know what I mean? They only come to events, not the Adventists, the Eventists. You know, you have the events and they're there and they love it and food's there, amen, and you got all that. Preach the gospel. Those are the best times to preach the gospel. Um, Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day. Poor mothers, they get the gospel. Father's Day I left out because I don't want to pick on them. But Mother's Day, no. Fathers get the gospel. You know when the best times to do gospel? I used to get so upset that it was once a month communion. I'm like, we have communion once a month. Why do we do communion once a month? Why don't we do communion once every three months and make it more special? Why don't we do it every month? It's like a ritual. You know what? I, I'm so happy it's once a month. That time during communion, the gospel goes forth like yeah. never before. And we had a guy who was in his 50s, called me up on a Monday after communion. And I stumbled through Ephesians 2, 8, 9 during communion time. He calls me up, he says, Jeremy, I teach at Fort Carson. He goes, I tell people this all the time. You're going to hear something a thousand times and one day it's going to click. He goes, I've heard the gospel a thousand times. Yesterday it clicked and I got saved. <laughs> during communion! I went home discouraged. I thought I messed up Ephesians 2, 8, 9. <laughs> and God saved the God through it. I'm like, Wow! So, we have these things. We have the seasonal, take advantage of the seasonal event. We're creating a culture in the church. And people know, I'm going to invite my unsaved friends to these things because they're going to get the gospel. Pastor's going to give the gospel during this time. And they know that. And then, here's where we're going to get a little bit more uncomfortable. Special evangelism. Right? This is servant evangelism. And you say, what do I do here? Well, look at some of the things I have on there. Uh Uh-oh, a sinful egg hunt. Right? And believe me, this puts people uncomfortable. I've, I've gotten letters, right? Strong letters. Um, but here's what, here's what we do. I mean, we had over 200 people come to our egg hunt this year. You, you know what we do at the egg hunt? They come, the parents come, and as they come, they stand right there. And little kids, you know, from the community with their little eggs and dressed up in their little baskets. And, um, and what we do is we say, okay, wait right here. we got something for you. We have a guy come, and they get the gospel. I mean... They're just sitting there. Parents are sitting there. They, get, they all get the gospel. Then we tell them, okay, now you go over here and you look for your eggs. It's all gospel-centered. Um, we had trunk or treat, 2020. We had cars lining up around the block. We were one of the only churches in the whole town. 700, how many people in Colorado? I don't know how many people. All these people. We were one of the only churches. The news came and interviewed us. Said you guys are loving on the community, and here's what we did at Trunk or Treat. They got candy here, candy here, candy here. Do you guys want more candy? Yeah, go to that booth right there. They're going to give you more candy. Go to the booth. What do they get at that booth? The gospel and candy, but the gospel. Everyone got the gospel. News is out interviewing us. 2020, right? Then we all got COVID because of that. So, you know, I'm glad they didn't come back and shut us down. We had 40 people get COVID from that event. But we risked our lives for Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we risked our lives for Jesus. But I got, we got the church involved in this. 
We're together in this. Uh, Thanksgiving baskets. I can give you stories about this. We go around, we partner with school. Can you get into public schools now? I can't. I mean, if you have a secret on how to get into it, Colorado doesn't let you into public schools. Guess what? We get into them with Thanksgiving baskets. We say, tell us some of the needy people in your, in your, in your, um, in your school, and we're going to give them a Thanksgiving basket. Now, here's where this gets fun. We went to one. And we hand this guy, he says, oh, my kid just has cancer, we got no money. He's sweeping, right? And they get the gospel with the Thanksgiving basket. Um, and uh, he goes, he goes. I go, where do you work? He goes, I work at Dunkin' Donuts. I said, really, we go to Dunkin', we have a donut group that goes there. He goes, oh, one second, let me, comes back, he gives me a thousand free donuts. <laughs> Give! And you will be given, right? The men were just so elated. You know, they're like, wow. But they're getting the gospel. If we just stopped with egg hunt and we didn't give the gospel, if we just stopped with trunkery, we just had our soccer camp. We saw five kids get saved. If we just stopped with having a soccer camp and not giving the gospel, see, that's where the Southern Baptists miss it. They say, well, we need to give it. We need to do And they don't give the gospel. We're gospel-centered. And so we're giving the gospel out. We're not trying to trick. We're giving the gospel. They know this. Christmas goodie bags. We tell the people in the in the church. Here we go. You're scared to share the gospel with somebody. Here's here's a gospel track. Here's a goodie bag. Give it to three or four of your neighbors. All right. So here's amazing. We we moved into a new neighborhood last last year, and so we gave a Christmas bag to somebody. And somebody, the lady came up to Katie and goes, "What do you think of that Whitefield Community Bible Church?" He goes, I like it. My husband's the pastor. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> so we learn. We, we meet our neighbors that way, you know. Because I don't know about you guys, but our neighbors aren't coming out to greet us. Hey, how you doing? We're in Colorado. I mean, unless we join partners. But anyway, uh, you know, did I say that out loud? But you know, you got to be careful. You know, special evangelism. By the way, the marijuana laws in Colorado have changed so much now that if you sell marijuana, you have to file a joint return. <laughs> I love that one. But, uh, <laughs> that a bad one, buddy? Buddy, you, you're ready to go on. What makes a great church? We haven't even gotten there yet. But uh, it's a special evangelism. We learn. So that's how we cultivate it. We have the sustained. We have the. So any questions about that? Any thoughts about that? What do you guys think about that? Anything that made you mad? No, honestly, that's that's a great thing, Jeremy. We do woodcuts. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> An elderly couple coming to church now as a result of the contacts through cutting firewood for them. Yep. Another commun- another elderly couple in the community uh, called me this last week. Doesn't come to church. Don't want to come to church. They called me this last week and asked if we could pick up a uh, uh, prescription for him because he couldn't breathe. Yeah. You know. So those things open that door. Yep. Yeah. We have to find out what's important to our communities, right, without compromising the message. And um, we're not going to have a marijuana shop in the church to no. get them because we know that's important. Although the kids were dealing drugs near our church and hiding the drugs underneath the shed of our church in the back there, um, but you know, but those here's where this gets amazing. All right, so what would you do with a kid like that? Right, they're hiding drugs under our sheds, and so two months ago, three of them came and said. Can we use a charger? We, our phones are dying. We said, yeah, come on in. 
I know they're drug addicts. I know they're they're skipping school. They're, they're drug. Come on in. They come in. They use the they use the charger. I said, you guys want a donut? They came during that donut time. You want a donut? You know, here's a donut. Here's a drink and all that. Give them coke, drink all that. One of the guys is a Gideon guy. He gave a Gideon Bible to a, the girl. It was a girl and two guys. Well, three weeks later, she said, I've been reading that Gideon Bible, and I just don't understand it. I can't understand it, but I'm reading it. This last Sunday, just before the convention, their family came to church. Amen. Twenty years ago, I see a drug, out, drug addict outside the church. I said, get out of here and don't ever come back. Now I'm like, Lord, how can I help these people? Yeah. Right? They need Christ. Yeah. And so we want to cultivate that. And somebody else gave him a Bible. I didn't give him a Bible. I gave him a Coke and a donut. <laughs> but that's the heartbeat of the church now because they've caught on. They know this. It's the culture of the church. This is who we are. We love those who don't know Christ. And so you cultivate that. It doesn't happen overnight, by the way. This takes in. You lose some people over this. Um, and you don't want to lose them. And I don't want to offend anyone. We had a hyper-Calvinist in the church that wrote me a letter and said, God doesn't need our help. He'll save them without our help. I said, no, He won't. They cannot believe unless they hear. They have to hear. And so we're here to preach it. Um, and uh, they left. They went. They ended up in a cult, a primitive Baptist church, which I've never heard of. Spe- special evangelists. All right, let's go to the next thing. Okay, so we got that part. Now, now, now we're reaching them out. All right, let's move through this quickly. All right, so, so now, now this is exciting. They, 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 they come to your church. They visit your church, and no one talks to them. <laughs> no one. And you're in my seat. Uh, we've had that. We've had that happen. You're in my seat. Get out. Um, or they go to the toilet. When we took over Whitefield, I went to the toilet. I flushed the toilet. Wouldn't stop flushing. It kept flushing. And I'm not a plumber. That scares me. You know what I mean? I'm like, and the water just goes. I call somebody. I said, "What do I do? I flush the toilet. It keeps flushing." Guys, I go, "Yeah, shut the water off. This happens a lot." If I'm a guest and I walk into a church and I flush the toilet and it keeps flushing, I'm not coming back. I'm done. Or some of the things. We had a carpet that was like 40 years old that the kids crawled on that was borrowed from somebody else that they gave it to us. And there was another 20. It was like 60-year-old carpet. Nasty carpet. Are they going to bring their kids and put their kids on a nasty carpet? Or well, one church I visited, and I go, what's this room? There was dirt everywhere. Chairs all piled up. Tables on the thing. He goes, this is our youth room. <laughs> you have any youth in the church? No. <laughs> Do you want any youth in the church? <laughs> because if I'm a youth and I see this room, I'm not coming to this church. So we want the facilities as best as they can be. Right? And I understand resources are things. So here's how God provided for us. We came into a church, the, the, the building was an absolute mess. Somebody died in the church and donated their house to the church so we could renovate the building. And we did. We poured money into that thing. We took asbestos out. We made it nice. We made it sweet. And so, um, look at this. Bathrooms, children's classrooms, the nursery. First thing we did is we moved my... I had an office on the top. I said, no, no, move my office on the bottom. I don't care that my office is all the way in the corner on the bottom. You know why? Because we want the nursery, we want the nursery to be up here. We want families to feel comfortable leaving their kids. 
I'm not going to leave it down in a basement, in a dirty basement. Oh yeah, where's the nursery? Go down there, bring it down there, and let the kid go play there. You may die, you may not make it, but yeah, I don't know what he'll eat. Um, no, so we make it nice. And uh, we have people who loved it, like Stephanie, the Brian, the guy that was leading music, his wife is in charge of our nursery ministry. She would paint this, makes nice, pretty, she wants to make it all pretty. You, you want people like that in the church that have a better vision than we do for what a nursery should look like. Yeah. But a nursery, classrooms, facilities... And friendliness, I say this, friendliness, um, here's what I love to do. People come in, I say, so what's your name? Oh, my name's Pete. Hey, Pete, wow, we got a Pete over here. Pete, meet Pete. Pete, what do you do, Pete? Oh, I'm in the Army. You're in the Army? Oh, guess what? We got three guys that are in the Army. Come here, I want to introduce you to the three guys. So I'm introducing them to people who are like them and get to know them a little bit more. Right? And then here's what blows them up. Blows, blows them away, I mean. Blows them up. Blows them away. You're blowing your nose. Blowing it away. <laughs> you blew your nose at the perfect time. Yeah, here's what, blows, here's what blows them away. I write their names down, right? And, um, and so I'm praying for them throughout the week. And I don't tell them this. I'm praying for them throughout the week. So if they show up the next week, Hey, how you doing, Frank? Frank? Yeah. How do you know my name? I just came last week. Oh. <clears throat> they don't know that... I wrote it down real quick. If I don't write it down real quick, I'm not going to remember. I write it down real quick. I got their name throughout the week. They come back. You know how you know how to impact somebody? Yeah. You know how many churches do that? They come back the next week. Oh, I remember you. You said some. Who, who, uh, or they're there. Worse. Three months. I'm so bad with names. What's your name? Been coming three months. Three months. We should know who they are. Um. And so, and the best way to do that is pray for them. Because then God will remind you of their names as you're praying for them. Greet, introduce, follow up, thank them. And then Facebook. Remember when Pastor said, um, it's Facebook sin? <laughs> Ten years ago, then COVID hit. Join us on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, Facebook's the you know, God's country. <laughs> but uh, we get, by the way, we've I've had sermons taken off of Facebook. I had one that was... Uh, the blessing of election and Facebook said you can't uh, have that uh, and I wasn't talking about the election that they were talking about I was talking about the blessing of election from Ephesians 1 but they censored my sermon they censor things watch out they'll, they'll stop things we have people that put all kinds of things on our church Facebook page this last month I've gotten gay pride things I've gotten you know threat 666 I've gotten all kinds of stuff we get I mean Facebook is not the best uh, out there but it is it is something that we can use um, online you guys have different things but we need an online presence um, and it, you know doesn't mean that I encourage people to do online church I don't yeah. I don't um, but we have seen people get saved um and I mean really saved. Not just a, I made a profession of faith saved. My mother, she's in Florida, she watches us now. My mother's an Italian woman from, and she's, she tells people, she doesn't give them an option. She says, you will watch my son. He's on at 10 o'clock. You will watch him. She tells her friends. <laughs> and, and she had one lady, Roberta, watching us. And Roberta called my mother and said, I just want to thank you. Your son turned me to God. I have a relationship with God now. And then Roberta died recently. Um, and so it can be a great thing. So let's not be cursing it out and all that. So we have a welcome friendliness and, and, and younger people wanting internet. Any, any questions about that? What it means to be a welcoming church? 
right? The facilities are nice. The people are friendly. Um, you got you got an internet presence. That you try to ever do any formal training for that sort of thing? Like how you equip people to? Yeah. So yeah, you encourage the people through that. I, I, I train the leaders and talk to them about you know here's how you greet people. Here's here's the things that we can look for. Here's how you thank people and all that. So yeah. things to say and yeah, things not to yeah. like that. But you know what? At the end of the day, things are caught. Yeah. Not just taught. And uh, we've been blessed. The church has always been a really friendly church. And so it's just gone beyond that now. To a, to almost to a fault. Like friendly, like we can care less if you're saved. Just glad you're here. <laughs> no, no, no. We want to, We care about their souls. Right? So don't get that friendly. Um, where you know, if I could say that in a nice way, you know what I mean? Yeah, don't get that friendly. Oh, yeah, you guys like hiking, so you guys are both brothers. No, you're not brothers because you like hiking. We're brothers because of Christ. There's a difference, all right? Um, but we had that kind of a church. But yeah, it is a formal. It is a like you, you tell them, you talk to them. I brought all the leaders through this, and uh, and different people. Um, all right, now we got them at the church. How do we keep them? Right, and and. And, and here's what I, I really believe will, will change, change a church. And I am so... I, I just thank God for this. Here it is. Are you ready for it? It's called a new members class. Our church did not have a new members class. You know how you became a member in our church? Sign this paper. And you're a member. And we had some carnal, and we had some unsaved members. Our main Sunday school teacher didn't believe in hell. I said, you've cheapened... We're not annihilated. You've cheapened the Gospel. Jesus Christ died to save us from hell. Wrath. Eternal wrath. No. No hell. We had another leader um, curse out the church. The leader. We had our song leader who confessed four women. Right? He's song leading every week. I said, how did you become a member? He goes, I just signed the paper. will not even walking with God. I said, okay, well, guess what? We're going to have a new members class. And I'm going to do back membership, by the way. You know what that is? Where you go back to the people who were already there yeah. and do a membership with them too. I found out things I could not believe. We, the main maintenance guy. I said, so tell me how you got saved. He goes, well, I went to a church. I ran. I scattered a preacher. I ran into the bathroom. I hid for four hours. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, end? Okay, is there an end there? there no, that's the end. The end? We had a piano lady. She was playing the organ. Come into the office. This is this is a better story than that guy. That guy ended up. She goes, I've been in here 10 years. She goes, I have leukemia now. I just need to know. How do I know for sure I'm saved? Mm-hmm. I've been playing the piano 10 years. And yeah, and the other guy that was pastoring the church, he was only, we were only there a year and a certain time. I forget how long. We were two years when she asked us that. And then she finally, how do I get? She got sick. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. People in the church. Right? So new members class. I had one time, I'm going to share an intimate story with you. I had a Mormon, uh, a fundamental Baptist, sometimes those two go together, a Mormon, a fundamental Baptist, I shouldn't say that out loud, a Mormon, a fundamental Baptist, a Lutheran, 
um, uh, I, don't, I forget, a, a, a Catholic and someone else, all in a membership class at, at the same time. And I'm sitting there, and I mean, I am nervous. I am, like, my heart is, because they're getting the gospel, they're getting everything there, and I am, I mean, they're all over the map. But they want to be members of Wife Committee Bible Church because the people are friendly. They want to be members. And so, so we go through the membership class. And I'm sharing the gospel and all that. I mean, I am just, I'm sweating bullets. One of the guys that took the membership class came and he said, you know what, I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready to get saved. Mm. You get what he said? Yeah, he understood. He didn't say, I'm not ready to be a member. What did he say? I'm not ready yet to get saved. Because he knew that was a criteria. We had one guy, Church of Christ, he said, he said, well, you said we can, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, not on salvation. That, that's pretty important. <laughs> we can agree to disagree on a few other things, but not salvation. I'm sorry. That's one thing we're not going to disagree with. Um, and so they wound up, we, we tried to have a Bible study with them, they wound up left. We press, so in the new members class, here's what we do. We go over who the church is, what the church is, um, how you can become a member, and then we go over our doctrinal statement, and I go right through the doctrinal statement, and then the third one, how to share a testimony, and then the fourth one, they love this one, we go over church discipline. And I say, never join a church that won't love you enough to discipline you. Amen. And here's only time we'll ever discipline you is if you do this. And that's unrepentant sin. There's a big difference if someone comes into the office and says, I've committed adultery and I need to change. Or someone else, and we've had this, come into the office, I've committed adultery and I'm going to keep committing adultery. Now we have a problem. And here's, and here's what I tell them. I love your soul more than I love your friendship. Yeah. And so I am willing to go through this process, and I hate it. And we've done church discipline several times since I've been there. Now, in the United States, when you start the discipline, what do they do? A lot of them run to the other church. Right? So I'm not a vindictive, you know, oh, you're going to run out of church? Watch me, baby. I'm disciplining you anyway. I, I don't see the point of that. Right? But I, I do warn um, um, we told this one family, you, you, you're destroying your family. You are destroying your family. This was a lady who didn't believe the gospel anymore. You are destroying your family. We told them, don't do this. Don't go down this path. We love you. We're here to help you. Um, she did. As soon as her kid turned 18, gone. Um, you know, different things happen. We don't want to see those things happen. But in the new member class, we talk about church discipline. Right? We talk about, you know, what it is to be a point. And you know what we do? We celebrate this. This is not something... Um, th- this, is, this is a great thing for, for membership. Um, you know, we, we celebrate. Now, I love the people the same, whether they're members or not. Um, you know, there's certain things, obviously, they won't do. They won't teach. They won't, they won't be leaders if they're not members. Definitely, there's certain things they won't be able to do. But it doesn't mean I don't visit them in a hospital. Or I look down the list, oh, you're not a member. I won't visit you in a hospital, you know. Sorry, be a member first and then get sick later. No, not that. You know? I mean, we, we, take care of them. we take care of them all the same. I know some people have a different view on that. I had one guy tell me he's not responsible for any person in the church that's not a member. I, I, I don't go that far. I don't believe that. God's put them in our midst. I do the best I can to, to shepherd them, Right? And part of shepherding them is helping them be committed. Now, you've heard this dumb joke, right, about the three pastors that had rats in the church. You've probably heard this one, right? 
first one goes, man, I got rats. I mean, unbelievable rats. I don't know what to do, so I, I, I put the poison down. Now I got more rats. Argentina, we had rats in Argentina. So the second one goes, you know what, man, I, same thing. I, I got an exterminator. Now I got more rats than everything. Third one goes, I haven't seen a rat in three months. He goes, what'd you do? He goes, well, I grabbed him, I baptized him, asked him to join the church, and never came back. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that true? You, know, you get to this point with some people, and they'll never come back. So you celebrate it. Grandpa Tom, 90 years old. He had a bucket list. I said, what's on your bucket list, Grandpa Tom? He goes, well, I want to drive up uh, Pipes Peak. Pipes Peak is very high. Now, I can't even breathe up Pipes. 90-year-old went up Pipes Peak. He used to race it when he was younger, so he wanted to go up there. He says, I want to fly a plane. Who's going to give some, a 90-year-old a life? He found someone. He went up there flying. Good thing I wasn't in the air. Yeah, 90 years old. He goes, you know the third thing he said? Because he goes, you know, the other thing I want to do before I die? He goes, I'm going to become a member of your church. He goes, I've never been a member of any church. He goes, I just love this church. Can I be a member here? He took the member. That was the fastest membership class I ever taught. I taught him a membership class. He's like, like, come on, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they joined the church. The church, seeing a 90-year-old join, and we celebrated that. We've had people come out, oh, can we join too? How do we join? We celebrate. Right? It's not a guilt trip. We just say, look, this is wonderful to join. Now, I will say to somebody, you've been here a while, you're not a member, Some, you're high, something's wrong. Some, something is going on. Now, we have to be careful because some people have been really burned in other churches and they don't want to become members. So knowing that, I don't, you know, we back off of that. But somebody who's hopping everywhere and not becoming a member and this and that, some, something they're hiding. And the three people that caused a lot of problems in our church, when we did back membership, they would not do the membership. They wouldn't give their testimony. Why? How oh, we don't have one. Right? And so this is really important. This would turn a church. I am surprised at how many churches don't have this. Or how easy it is to become a member. It's not easy to become a member in our church. It's hard. But, we, but this helps the back door because once they've gone through all this, they're not going to want to go somewhere else and do all this again. You know, now they're here members. Look at this also thing that we help them do. Um, we get them involved in groups. And um, some churches, before COVID, we had more small groups. Now we just have Wednesday night. And then another thing here is service. We, we, we get people involved. Um, and I say this because when they're involved, it's hard for them when they invest their time and their heart and their energy into a place to get up and just walk out. Right? They're not involved. Um, they are. And so what I thank God for is we got people who are involved. It is amazing. So we've had two ladies teaching children's church for 15 years. Right? Try to infiltrate that. And we had another couple come and say, you know what, we need to change this. I said, yeah, good luck. And you know, I don't believe in luck, but good luck. Um, we ain't changing this. 15 years, two ladies. You ain't messing with those two ladies. Plus they're part of Italian. Maybe mafia will kill you. <laughs> so they... This lady goes, yeah, we are going to penetrate. We are going to, we are going to do that. We are going to change this. Okay, let's meet together. Man, I, I couldn't believe the meeting. I mean, it was tense. We need to change this. Can't be just two ladies. It's not healthy for the church. It's not. But we have 18 people doing it now. We went from two to 18. Praise God. Yeah, and so now I'm like, wow, 18 people. I'm like, holy cow. And she just got everyone involved. You know what I mean? And it just God, God used her. 
So you need people like that that have a heart to certain ministries and just let them get involved. And when they get involved like that, they'll say to you, we love this church. Why? Because it's their church. God's church. They're, they're part of it. They're invested in it. And that makes it hard for them to leave. So, um, backdoor closure. Uh, the biggest thing is have a membership class. Right? Get them involved in the church and, and you'll see less and less people like a revolving door like a lot of our churches are. Any questions about backdoor closure? Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, how long is your membership class? I've done it in different settings. It could be up to four weeks. It could be over a lunch. Yeah. So it depends on you. Yeah. Right. Um, it's one of my favorite classes to teach because you're giving a few, your gospel out there. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know you said it, but can you state again what you do in the new member class? What's right. the main points you come? So new members class, and I could send this. If anybody wants it, I should have a thing. I could send you ours. I got I got one from a friend's, and I just adapted it. So this is not something you have to like make your own, but your own. There are plenty of good ones out there. Uh, the first lesson is who we are, right, and what are the requirements to join the church. The second lesson is, is our doctrinal statement. I go right through the IFCA doctrinal statement. I tell them, look, we're an IFCA church. This is the IFCA doctrine. Men who know the Bible a lot better than us wrote this statement out, right? And I believe it's true, and so I'll defend it. And here's what I'll say about the doctrinal statement, too. I'll say, this is what we teach. You need to have a submissive attitude to this. You may disagree. That's okay. On certain small points, we're fine with that. Right? Now, when it comes to salvation, no. Baptism by immersion, no, you can't disagree with that. Right? And certain things that we believe are clear. But other things, like, you know, we'll have stronger Calvinists than I am, stronger Arminians than I am. That's okay. They're still going to heaven. They're all right. They'll agree with me one day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You'll see. It's actually a verse where Paul writes that in Philippians. Yeah. Kind of like a, you, one day God will reveal it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't send that verse if somebody disagrees with you. But so, but we do make it to where, and so you know, like, so certain points. And I know some churches can be all different. Look, if there's a five point Calvinist, they won't let them teach. Okay, that they, they can do that, and we would be, you know, we have certain li- limits with that too. So um, different things there. We go over that. We go over the doctrinal statement. Then the third one is how do you share your testimony? Right? And I tell them, you need to know your testimony in 60 seconds or less. Yeah. Right? If you can't share your testimony in 60 seconds, something's wrong. Right? And I don't want to hear, you know, I was born. I want to hear how the gospel impacted your life and you got saved. And they have to write their testimony out. And so there is where, and we hear all kinds of things. We hear one guy, oh, my finances were a mess. I came to God. Now I got good finances. <laughs> Right? So, and this guy got mad at the Apostle Paul. We were having a Bible study. He goes, I hate Paul. I've had people get mad at Jesus, but Paul, I mean, Paul. He goes, I hate Paul. So he comes into our office. And by the way, when you do membership interviews, never do them alone. You do them with uh, leaders in the church. And so, we're doing the interview now. They want to be a member. And he comes in. I'm going to tell this guy he's not saved. If he says this is God, I came to God, my finances were met. He comes in, he goes like this, he goes, I finally got it, guys. He goes, it's by faith alone you get saved. Mm -hmm. I figured it out. 
I go, so what do you think of the Apostle Paul? He goes, I like him now. <laughs> We're on good terms. <laughs> he got it. He got it in the membership class. He figured it out. He's like, I figured it out. Praise God. But they write out their testimony. So the third one is they write out their testimony. And the fourth one is when we're going to give you the boot. No, church discipline. How What that all means. It's not kicking someone out of church. I explained that. I have a whole lesson on what church discipline is. Um, and go over that. Uh, you can add other things to that. Those aren't the inspired four things you need to have. But I would say this. Make sure they know who you are. What you believe. Right? And what is the requirement to join. This is not a social club. This is a church. And we are redeemed people. And what that means. And you tell them, I care more about your soul than you... The worst thing that could ever happen to you, I tell people this, is not you leaving this church. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is you go to hell. And I don't want that. So you may get mad at me because this testimony is weak, but I have to ask you, do you really know Jesus? I don't care what you believed 40 years ago. You stand before Him tonight, what are you going to say? Who are you going to point to? What are you going to point to? And if it's anything other than Jesus and His blood and His shed blood and His death in your place and burial and resurrection, you are not saved. Now I'm careful with that because I say, look, I'm not God, but based on what you wrote here, something's wrong. I've had those tough ones. Not everyone responds well to that. Those are the times you want to leave the pastorate and go drive a truck somewhere and just run away. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Not Iowa, but New York City. Yeah. You don't want to drive a truck in New York City. I love that. I did that for a while. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I would never. Pray, well, shouldn't say never. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say never. Barring God's divine direct uh, yeah. command, I would not do it again. We're, well, we're we're shooting out of time here. So, but yeah. Um, those, are, those are the three things. Now, give me one more minute. I don't want to keep you too much longer here. I want to show you something. I want to show you a biblical example of this, okay? Um, real quick. Scrappy leaders will, will stop making excuses, right? Don't make the I've made all the excuses. Stop making excuses. Scrappy leaders, stop making excuses. It's not on your notes here, but I'm just going to... If someone wants a PowerPoint, I'll give it to you. Stop blaming others. I've heard people say, Oh, I'd be, it'd be, be a lot better church if we just didn't have these people in them. No, stop blaming other people. Right? We gotta stop blaming, stop making the excuses. Our church, 702 Quebec Street, is on a dead end street with a building that's small, um, in, in, in a town that's poor. I can make all the excuses I want. Right? We're on a dead end street. Who's gonna find us on a dead end street? It's a challenge. It is a challenge. I know, you've been there, right? Um, so we stop making the excuses, we stop blaming others. Uh, if there wasn't so many big churches in the town, we'd have more people. No, you wouldn't. You know, we, we like to blame other people. We, we got to stop blaming others. We got to stop comparing our churches to other people. Church, you know, I, mean, I have four kids. They're all different. Praise God. They're all fun. They're all different. I don't say, Ellie, how come you don't sing like Johnny? Johnny, why don't you play? Ellie, why don't you play baseball like Johnny plays baseball? Abigail, you just would be like Joshua and on the computer for ten hours a day. No, we don't compare them, right? They're all different. And we praise God. So we don't compare. Because you know what happens when I compare churches? And, 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 and I've done it plenty of times. The smaller ones, man, I feel like the best pastor in town. The bigger ones, 
I feel like a complete failure. What am I doing? Right? See the two extremes? Yeah. It's easy to find a small one and say, man, I don't know, it's been in Revelation for ten years, no wonder why your church ain't growing. And then I look at the bigger ones and I say, Lord, what am I doing wrong? This guy has a church of 700! And he can't even preach! <laughs> I start criticizing everything else. You know, the big one. We got to stop that. Stop comparing. God has put us in the place. He's given us the address that He's given us. We we need. We are exactly where God wants us, with the exact resources God wants us to have, with the exact people God wants us to have. Amen. In fact, in John it even says this: What have we not received that we haven't gotten from above? Everything we have is from God. So let's stop comparing. And then the next one is we need to deal with critics in a healthier way and. And, and I'll tell you, when you're a scrappy church, it'll teach you how to deal with the critics. Um, me, I have an advantage. I have mafia ties. I just make phone calls and they disappear. <laughs> but seriously, uh, they hurt. Um, and I can go into a lot of things, but we ain't got time. But I've had, I've had people want to beat me up. And I'm from New York City. And my flesh is there. I had a guy standing right close right standing up, would not leave the office. Wanted to fight me. I told him, please leave the office. He wouldn't leave I had to leave my own office. I had to pack up everything to leave my own office. He's threatening me out the door. And then he cursed the church out. This was a leader in the church. I just got there two months. His daughter got pregnant. And he was mad at me. Because his daughter was did something with a guy and, and got pregnant and it's my fault. Want to beat me up? Like, wow, Lord, unbelievable. Uncle Johnny. <laughs> oh, I wanted to call him. Believe me, don't worry about it. Deal with critics the healthier way. And then let me tell you one more thing. Let's be continued learners. You know what? Praise God. We are continuing. COVID taught us we don't know nothing about how to handle COVID. You know, later on, um, you know, the ding, all this stuff that's going on now at the with uh, transgender and all that, we are. We need to be continually learning how can I be all that God wants me to be. The moment we stop, I've been 12 years to college, and I am nowhere near, I, I need to learn and learn and read, and, and I am nowhere near need, where I need to just say, I got it all. We don't got it all. We just continually learn. Keep reading. Read, Lord, how... how I read, we give the church every month now a book of the month. We feed them a book of the month. It's expensive. We don't make them pay for it. You take this. I want you to read it. Some of them, do they all read it? No. But things that they're dealing with. What is a deacon? Give them a book of the month. Deacons, read this. What, what, you know, what, how do we handle sin in our past? Read this book. You know, we're counseling, we're, we're learning, we're continually learning. I'm learning. I thank God I'm not the pastor I was 20 years ago. I never sent a text message 20 years ago. Did you send text messages when you first started pastoring? I never did. But anyway, um, now I do. Now I do a lot of shepherding through text messaging. Um, and I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Amen. So only come back to bite me once. So, yep. The thing I'll say about uh, continuously learning, we'll never 
stop learning them. Right. But gaining the knowledge isn't the end. Yeah. Gaining the knowledge is just the beginning. Now how do I apply it and help? Right. Right. And and we need we need to I think the big thing with that is I mean look around what's happening in the world look around what's happening in the church it, it's a, the odds are against us right to survive um, but with Christ we are the majority we can win this and so man I didn't even get to the best part of this uh, the church of Sardis well you're gonna have to wait for that one but uh, thank you guys so much let's pray together. Um, any other questions? Any other feedback? Would you be willing to send us your slides? Yes, I will. So just leave our yep. email address. Yes, leave the email. I'll send you the slides. And here's, here's what I'll say. I'll give you the last slide of the Church of Sardis. Right? I'll go right through. All right, now. Um, all right, now. Look what Howard Hendricks says. The greatest need of the church is not growth, but what? Health. Not how many people, but what kind. Not addition, but multiplication. I love this. Not information, but transformation. Effective ministries are not determined by their size, but by their significance. My whole life is about that. Right? And our church has doubled in size and things have happened numerically, but that doesn't mean that we have a great pastor or a great church. We have a great God. Amen. And it's not about buildings, budgets, or bodies. It's about health. And so God, how can we be healthy? Well, we need to love you, we need to love one another, and we need to reach the lost. And if we're doing that, we're a healthy Christian. That's a, that's a, that's a packed day. Right? There's one more here. I think he says, oh no, that's, that's it. What makes a great church here? I'll send the slides. Sorry we didn't get in the church. Sorry, I love that church, but I talk too much. All right, let's pray. And thank you guys so much for coming um, here. Father, you're an amazing God, Lord, and you do amazing things in spite of us. But yet, and then, Lord, you can do it so much better without us, and yet you want to use us. And, and Father, we want to be instruments in your hands. God, help us to really understand the things that will please you and to focus on those things. We can get so busy doing so many other things except the most important things. I think of the church at Ephesus, Lord, who was so busy serving, but they weren't busy sitting at your feet and loving you with all their heart, soul, and mind. I think of the church at Laodicea who thought they had everything they needed and they equated uh, physical blessings with spiritual blessings. Mm. And they forgot about who you are. And you stood at the door and knocked and said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, you'll come in. So Lord, we want you in our churches. We want you working in ways that only you can. And Father, help us to be instruments of helping people to love you, to love each other, and to love those who don't know you. Help us to search our hearts and to see what things we need to change. We don't like that word. So we can focus better on what matters. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Lord bless you guys. Also, if anyone...
wants to leave their email address, please leave it over here so I can send that stuff. And then... Is good? Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Oh, you got a list here? Yeah, somebody can sign. And in November, I teach this online. If anyone wants to join in on Zoom, it's free. Uh, I teach at Faith. You can join in for free. I'll send you the link. Um, we talk about this more. Hey, God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lord bless you guys. Thank you for staying. I thought everyone left. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. I was rebuked. Lord bless you. Appreciate it. Hey, if I'm in California, let's get together. <laughs>